When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. In case you're just joining us, breaking news coming in. Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan. He's going to be the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Kind of been rumored out there, so no real surprise. You know what's interesting on the coaching ranks? And, and like I said, we'll get into it in um, more detail coming up in just a little bit. Why is Bill Belichick not interviewed for any other job except the Falcons? Isn't that funny? Falcons, meantime, are interviewing everybody and their mother. Like, Harbaugh went for two interviews there. Vrabel's there for an interview. Like, they're interviewing tons of candidates. Nobody else has picked up the phone, apparently, to call Belichick. Or they have, and he's just politely declined. I don't know. But that's strange to me. Reports say the Chargers still haven't made a decision on their general manager, which means it really doesn't mean anything, because Harbaugh's going to be the one to have all the say anyways. When they hire the coach first, that's all you need to know about the general manager. It's really not going to make that big of a difference. Let's get to uh, Subi in Midtown, who is up next here on 98.7. Subi, how are you? Hey, Dan, you were talking about Julius Randle. What, what is it going to take for him to be in a, at an elite level of a scorer like Joel Embiid, who just put up 70 points? Because all the elite players right now are averaging 30 points per game. And Julius has that potential if he's hitting his threes like, like, uh, like last night. Sometimes he just goes off for 30 or 40 points. And I think that's the only way the Knicks will be an elite team is if Julius is hitting at a streak level like uh, Brunson sometimes does. So do you think that Julius Randle has that potential? Because Embiid and uh, Giannis are the elite players of the uh, of the East, and I think they get all the calls. So in the playoffs, that goes a long way. And I think I, I don't think they need a third player if he's hitting his threes like he, he he's capable of. That's yeah, but here's, here's the thing, though, Subi, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, and I thank you for the phone call. What, Randall has adapted his game this year, in case you haven't noticed. Julius Randle's shooting less threes this year than he has in years past. Like, think about when fans would get frustrated with Randle and the way he played, especially in the playoffs, when the shots aren't falling. It would be what? Dribble, 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 iso ball, and then chuck up a three. Sometimes they go in more often than not, they wouldn't. But Randle is adapted this year. He's shooting, I think, anywhere from, uh, on average, I think it's like three to four less three-point attempts per game. You see Julius Randle out there? Like, the dude is strong. He's got size. He's got strength. He's like a freight train coming down the lane. Use that to your advantage, and that's what he's doing this season. Like last night, in that game against the Knicks, let me pull up the box score here for a second because I just want to get the numbers exact for you. Julius Randle took 19 shots last night. You know how many threes he took? Two. Two. And he scored 30 points. Got to the free throw line eight times. Like two? that. Yeah. What do you mean two? But two and a good thing. Like that to me, you can't ask for anything more from that. Like I don't need a guy to go out there and just start chucking up three pointers. Like way too many people do in the NBA nowadays. But Subi lost me a little bit there about Randall not being able to score. Julius Randall's been a consistent like 25 point a game scorer the last couple of years. You know, I know he's, the rebounding numbers are down a little bit this year. Okay, he's at like nine, and he's not at double digits. But this has been like a 25-10 and 10 guy for the Knicks. 
basically for the last few years. Those guys don't grow on trees. And that's why everybody that wanted to kick him to the curb last year in the postseason when he disappointed again, essentially playing on one leg, you're trying to remind folks, show me guys that are all NBA two out of the last three years, all-stars two out of the last three years, and are 25 and 10. There's only like a handful of those guys around the sport, and you want to discard him. I don't get that logic. I don't. Rob is in the car. He's up next. Robbie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. love watching the Knicks this year. I love watching, like, I love watching them play, but there's something that really, there's a stat that really scares me when it comes to playoff performance this year. Mm-hmm. And that's, they're taking care of business against bad teams. I think last I looked, they were undefeated against teams that are under 500. Yep. But when it comes to teams with winning records, they win, they're winning about one out of three of their games. 19-0 and well, against sub-500 teams, and they're 8-17 and 17 against uh, teams with winning records. Right. So that's, that's slightly less than a third. And that tells me they've got, like, as currently constituted, they maybe can get out of the first round, but uh, they're going to have a hard time beating a good, a good one of the elite teams unless the matchup. Yeah, but you can't look at it that way necessarily. Um Robin, I thank you for the phone call. Look, there's a lot worse places you can be than being a club that takes care of their business against the bad teams. Because in years past, how many times did you see that the Knicks had a bad loss against a team that they should have beaten? A team that was down for their... Right? I mean, so they're beating those teams this year. That ain't the end of the world, right? And I think you have to take that, certainly, with a little bit of confidence moving forward that all right, well, maybe this team has got this figured out a little bit. I'm trying to get the expanded numbers here for the Knicks, and really for the NBA standings in particular. Um, I'll find that. Uh, let's say hi to Ishmael in East Brunswick, who's up next. Ishmael, how you doing? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What's going on? So I don't, I don't mean to take a whole 180, but uh, I would like to take about Bill Belichick and the Minnesota Vikings. I know it's not the Jets, as anyone was hoping, but it's the NFC version of the Jets. Because we are QB towards Achilles, and we also went 7-10. and 10. Now, Kirk Cousins said he was interested in playing for Bill Belichick recently, as many QBs I imagine would be. And he was also interested in playing for Atlanta, who also had a lot of interest in him since he's going through free agency after this. Would it have been a bad idea to fire our current head coach and pick up Bill Belichick? Because, you know, only two years you had Kevin O'Connell, but these were some of the worst play calls I've ever seen, especially with the QB situation. We had our sweet Pasternak era, but... We couldn't decide if we wanted to put in experienced Nick Mullins. You know, he might be DNA, uh, might be in his DNA to turn over a ball or put in rookie Jaron Hall. And I think we really blew our season away with a lot of that play calling. Yeah, but Ish, I'll tell you something right now. And I thank you for the phone call. I think I was not high on the Vikings going into the season. All right, they they got rid of a lot of established players. They had to make some tough salary cap decisions before the year they did that. I thought Kevin O'Connell did a great job this year. Keeping that team relevant in the mix as long as he did. I mean, they were a factor late into the season, right? Mid-late December. They were still alive. And you lost your starting quarterback. Kirk Cousins went down to injury. Do you have to remind anybody, especially in this town and especially with the Jets, when you lose your starting quarterback, your season is essentially 
in the toilet. You know, the Cleveland Browns, I know they made it work and they played five quarterbacks and all those things, but look at how many guys they had to go through to finally find Joe Flacco, which helped steady the ship for them a little bit. You know, I'm not going to get on Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings because it was Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall and Josh Dobbs and all these other yo-yos they were trotting out there to try to duplicate the production that Kirk Cousins was getting them. Kirk Cousins was playing good football, and I've never really been a Kirk Cousins guy, but he was playing well. So they're going to have a choice to make how they want to proceed moving forward at the quarterback position. I wouldn't even rule out the possibility of Cousins going back there. You know, if they want to run it back and see if they can make something of the season, maybe draft a quarterback and then let him sit and watch Cousins for a year before they turn over the reins, we'll see. But, yeah, I can't crucify the Vikings for how they approach this season. I thought that they performed above and beyond, to be quite honest with you. Jay's in Queens. He's up next year on 98.7. What's up, Jay? Hey, good morning. Oh, good morning. Good, uh, good evening. How are you? Uh, just uh, real quick on the Knicks. I, I think the perfect fit for them right now is, is Malcolm Brogdon. I think that uh, they wouldn't have to give up too, too much to get him because we know where Portland is at. It'll also give them a trade piece for next year with an expiring contract. And I think he kind of fits the mold of what they're doing. You know, an overachieving guy, blue collar, never really found his niche or got the credit that he deserves, kind of like what a lot of the Knicks' current players are. Um, I'm trying to be realistic, and, and I know it's hard for Knicks fans to do that because, like you said, in the past, the Knicks would have lost the game like they, like they won last night against the Nets. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and, and make a big move that sets us further back. I think that hopefully management has a plan, and hopefully they'll stick with it, and we just got to be patient. And, and I think we know where the Knicks are. They're a middle-of-the-road team in the East, and I think if we set our expectations too high, we'll go out and make a move to try and catch up with these teams that just have better talent. Yeah, but Jay, I think, like, Jay, Jay, you said middle of the road. I think they're a little better than that. I think they're better than middle of the road. They are, but you still put them as a four or five at best. They're not better than Philly, Boston. Right now, the Cavs are playing a little bit better, I would say, right now. No, but Jay, Jay, let me me ask you a question, though. Like, And and we agree that they need to go out and add a support player, whether it's Brogdon or somebody else. But would you be absolutely shocked if the Knicks end up in the conference finals this year? Because I wouldn't. I think a lot of things have to fall in place for that to happen, just like how it happened for Miami last year, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, not Miami, you know what I'm saying. Right. I think a lot of things have to fall in place for that to happen. Could it happen? Absolutely. Anything can happen, especially with injuries and things like that. But I think talent-wise, when you look at the Knicks talent-wise, from top to bottom, they have some depth, but they lost a lot of that. When you look at the star power and what those, those stars get when it comes to the playoffs and, and making it to the finals, I just don't think the Knicks have that in totality to make it that far without something happening as far as injuries or something like that. Other than that, I totally agree with what you're saying. I just don't want to get expectations so high that, you know, we go out there and if we don't make a major move, people think like the the season is a failure when I kind of feel just personally, they're in the four or five slot, you know, with them playing well. And if they do make it to a conference finals, great, but I don't look at the Knicks as a, as a, as a conference final team, just personally right now, I look at Boston, I look at Philly, I, I look at, Milwaukee, when they get their things together, and I just think talent-wise, they're better. They, 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 they play hard, they have a great coach, and that always gives you an opportunity to win. But I always feel in long series, unlike football, it's not one game, it's a series. And usually the better team will find a way to win. Now, I, I hear so what you're saying. I love what you do. Jay, uh-huh. I appreciate you. And, and look, here, here's the thing. I'm going to bring it up again. Joel Embiid, if you want to say that the Knicks aren't on Philadelphia's level or, or far behind Philadelphia, Joel Embiid's never been to a conference final. 
Never. So they still got some proving to do come playoff time. The thing about Malcolm Brogdon, because Jay brought it up, I had to look at the contract. He's still on the books for next year, $22.5 million. So I don't know all the ramifications of the salary cap for the Knicks and how it's going to shake out, but he's not an expiring contract like Jay suggested. $22.5 million next year. So that's going to have to take some working out. And look, Brogdon's a solid player. Really solid player. You bring him onto this team, I'm all for it. The one guy that they better not go after, because I think it would be a horrible move. And we were talking about this earlier today on the uh, the putback show with uh, Ian. DeJounte Murray ain't it, folks. That is not the answer. And Atlanta's going to want the earth, the moon, and the stars to get him, first and foremost. DeJounte Murray's one of those guys that if, you know, you're putting a fantasy team together, great. He's one of these guys that if you're just, you know, playing NBA Jam or something like that, great. Fantastic. But DeJounte Murray is somebody who's essentially the anti-OG Ananobi. Because why would you bring in somebody like Murray, who's a ball-dominant player, who's not a great defender, he doesn't really space the floor, didn't you just trade away one of those guys in R.J. Barrett to help make the roster construction a little bit more palatable? So why would you make that sin again? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN New York presents an evening with Garrett Wilson. It's an intimate event in the Big Apple with the Jets star wide receiver. For your chance to score passes to this exclusive event, including food and beverage, go to ESPNNewYork.com or find the contest page on the ESPN New York app and submit your entry. It's an evening with Garrett Wilson brought to you by Corona and Sansone Auto Mall. If I'm not mistaken, that is next week. It is a week from today. So if you want to be a part of that, and, and you will not find a better dude than Garrett Wilson, get on the horn and make that happen. That is a week from tonight, so spots are going fast. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. We're going to unveil our brand new segment, Name, Production, Everything, coming up at 8 o'clock, Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, at 8.30. Let us say hi to Julius in Newport, up next here on 98.7. Hello, Julius. How are you? Yo, what's up, Dan? How you doing? Good, Julius. What's going on? What's going on? Listen, I just wanted to send that little PSA to all the Knicks fans out there and everybody out there. You guys need to send your praises and prayers to Leon Rose, okay? He is the man who is making this happen. Everybody gives the praise to the players. Jalen Brunson, great. Randall, great. But listen, Leon Rose is the captain of the ship, and he is doing a great job. 
Just be patient. Stop asking for trades. Stop asking for this guy, this guy, this guy. He knows what he's doing. Relax and enjoy the ride. We have a good captain leading the ship. All right, guys? Have a good night. That's all I got. Julius, you're preaching the choir, and I thank you for the phone call. And you're right. Julius is 1,000% right. Look, I understand that Leon Rose is not out there and maybe as visible as some other executives or maybe as visible as fans would like. I mean, they haven't heard from him in two years. But he's letting his work do the talking. And the Knicks are winning games. They're 10 over 500. They won around in the playoffs last year, and they look certainly poised to, at the very least, win around this spring, too, and maybe even take it a step further. I'd have no issues whatsoever with the job that Leon Rose is doing. He's actually doing an outstanding job. Let's say hi to Terrence in New Jersey up next here on 98.7. Terrence, how you doing? Pretty good, Dan. Thanks for taking my call as always. Thanks so, for making it, Terrence. You could have been doing other things tonight than calling me. What's going on? This is correct. So I think there's a point that lots of folks are missing regarding Julius Randle. I think people want and, and present, I wanted to run him out of town, but I think people wanted to run, it, run him out of town as much for his lack of maturity and his demeanor as much as uh, for his lack of productivity in the playoffs. I think if you look at his numbers this year, he's proven to be a more mature player. He's averaged about 11 technical fouls over the previous three seasons. He's got four, and we're over halfway through the season. He's taking less shots. He's averaging a point less, but his shooting percentage is up. And I think that's been a huge part of it. So I think the last thing he has to do to really endear himself to New York and put these trade requests for the star player to bed is to go ahead and perform in the playoffs. I Look, I don't think you're entirely wrong, Terrence, because there are going to be some people out there, and I thank you for the phone call, who still can't get over that hurdle of wanting him to perform in the postseason. Because, look, the two times the Knicks have been in the postseason under Randall, the Atlanta series a couple of seasons back, not go well. Last year, made a valiant return in that first round against Cleveland after dealing with the ankle injury that cost him some games at the end of the season, had a real good start, and then he started to bottom out a little bit when he re-aggravated the injury. And then he was never the same again, going into round number two against Miami. So, yeah, did he wear his emotions on his sleeve a little bit? No doubt. That's how he played. And you could tell, you could tell when he's not feeling it, when he's struggling for whatever reason, it's pretty evident out there. Because that's when he's chirping at the refs, The body language is terrible. Remember, there was a game last season. I want to, it was like a weekend matinee on on the West Coast trip. I think it was against the Clippers. And remember, he was getting into it with like even the Nick assistant coaches because they were losing and then like had to be like held back by his teammates. Like, yeah, this is a dude that, that, that used to get really, really hot out there at times. But he's made a change. And I, I can't remember where I read it within the last couple of weeks. Somebody wrote a good article how he's even opened up about kind of just taking a step back, you know, counting to 10, if you will, and just not letting his emotions get the best of him, right? Live to see another play. And I think that it's evident the way that he's performed so far on the court. You're seeing a different Julius Randle. Q is in the car. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Q? Hey, Dan, what's going on? Q, I'm doing great. What's going on? Hey, yeah, so, you know, about Randall, uh, you know, he's dialed in, you know, so I'm, I'm liking his passion. I, I think uh, we need to keep the starting five the way it is. Uh, I'm liking how uh, we're all gelling well. Um, I really think that uh, 
to put Brogdon, you know, bring him in. Uh, reigning six man of the year, you know, let's bring him in, shore up the bench. And um, I got I got a, another guy that, you know, I want your opinion on. Mm-hmm. Why not bring back Mello? Oh, why? Well, how about this? Why bring back Mello? Well, a few things. Let him retire a Nick because I believe he deserves it. Get him some playoff time. I, I I really think that he can do fifteen and ten off the bench. Oh boy! You know, tell me. Are you? Is he like one of your good friends? Is he a blood relative? <laughs> no, no. I did. You know, I love the guy. I love the guy. I love the, he's a good player. It's obvious you love the guy. Q, thanks for the phone call. I mean, I I can't go there with that one. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, 40, 40 year old Carmelo Anthony off the couch onto the Nick bench in fifteen and ten a night. I don't think that's happened. Nice idea. You realize Carmelo played more games with the Nuggets than he did with the Knicks. Like saying that he should, you know, needs to retire a Nick. Like honestly, were his best days as a Nugget or a Nick? He went too shabby in Denver. Went too shabby. I know he made maybe more all-star teams when he was with the Knicks, but you know what, like getting voted in, all that stuff, it was a lot harder sledding out there in the Western Conference at the time. But he was pretty good there. Had the most team success with the Denver Nuggets. They made a run to the Conference Finals the one year, right? Do we have to get into the whole retired number thing again with Carmelo? Because, you know, we need to pump the brakes on that. Why not? What's, wrong with, what's up with the debate? You, we can go into it. Well, we can, I mean, I don't know if we have to debate it. I'll tell you right now. I, I'm not in any rush to retire his number. Why? Well, we could bring him back for like a day like the Yankees do. Did do they it. ever do that with him yet? Like, not not to, obviously, the number's not retired, but did they, did they give him like a day or a night and gave him like a watch or something, like a, a frame photo or anything like that? Mellow? I don't think so. They didn't do that yet, right? I don't think so. He's at the Garden every game, Yeah, he though. does we, go to a lot of games. We could just be like, hey, go go on this <laughs> Thursday right here. And instead of wearing, you know, the, the jacket and the joggers and all that, just pick it a nice suit and we'll, we'll honor you somehow and that's it. Right, have the Knicks call up Mellow and be like, hey, Mellow. Um, what are you doing on Thursday, the um, 23rd of February? You right. busy that night? You go- I know you're going to the games on the 21st on the Monday and the 19th on the Saturday. <laughs> because here's the pickle that we're in right now. We had booked for halftime the Frisbee catching dogs. But unfortunately, their trainer got into a little bit of a uh, licensing issue. So they're not going to be able to make it. They canceled. So... If you want, because you come to the games a lot, if you wouldn't mind like just walking out onto the court at halftime, we would love to maybe give you a watch. Uh, you know, we could take a photo of one of your uh, games and, and blow up the photo and frame it. You know, you take a few bows from the crowd. We're not retiring your number, but if you want to help us fill the halftime void, we would we would love to have you. What is the senior day for Mello? Essentially, yeah. Guys, I don't think his number should be retired. I I I I, I never have. Be- he should have a day. He was that important give him a day. of a Nick to give him a day and have him retire a Nick and the whole nine yards and sell a tickets and whatever. But I'll tell retire uh, number. I agree with you. I right, and and I agree, and, and I'll say this again. Anytime anyone he wanted to bring up the retired number thing with Carmelo Anthony with the Knicks, here is my 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 staunch opposition. You cannot, cannot 
in capital bold letters, even entertain the thought of retiring Carmelo Anthony's number unless Bernard King's number is up in the rafters first. And I understand that Bernard King did not play with the Knicks as long as Carmelo Anthony did, but Bernard King, at his peak with the Knicks, was a better Nick than Carmelo Anthony was. Bernard Bernard King was first-team All-NBA on two occasions with the Knicks. And unfortunately, injuries derailed what he could have possibly been. Okay? First-team All-NBA. Not Eastern Conference starter with the All-Star team. First-team All-NBA. Twice. One of the top five players in the entire sport. That's how good Bernard King was. You know, anytime we get into these, like, hypothetical discussions about, like, which athlete do you think or could you wish they can have a do-over with their career and go back and be healthy, how about Bernard King's time on Broadway and what that could have potentially been in the mid-'80s? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we're going to unveil our brand new segment coming up at 8 o'clock, which is going to be a staple. Anytime we have the full shows, 8 o'clock, this will be the segment. We got production. We got everything. Looking forward to it. Harvey couldn't even sleep. He was so excited. He didn't even have coffee today. He was so excited. You can need that caffeine kick. Nah, we got the new segment. That's enough of a jolt for me. I'm having smaller doses of coffee now. Why is that now? Well, I don't know. I, I measure a lot of things, mm-hmm. like, especially like what I drink. Like You're a very houses. calculated individual. I try to be. Yeah. So like my, I have just like the the shaker, you know, like the Ninja Shaker cups. Mm-hmm. They're like 24 ounces, something like that. Those gifts are fun for everybody, by the way. They're really good. Yeah. Fun but, for the whole family. But now I've reduced it to like 10 ounces. Because it is a lot, man. Coffee's heavy. Some people require more. Some people require less. You know, some people like a lot. I, I don't know. You you don't strike me as one of those guys in the conversations we've had. You're not one of those people that really enjoys a lot of coffee intake. Well, I only go one cup. Yeah, you're a one cup guy. You guys go twice the cups. I'm not sure why. What's the goal for twice two I, cups? Because if you space it out throughout the course of the day, I think that that justifies the two cups. Exactly. Right? You know, yeah, I'm not married to one in the morning every day. Like, sometimes I'll do an afternoon and then one at night. You're a night cup oh, of yeah. coffee guy? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I can't no. do that. No. You know why, though? And it doesn't do anything. Like, for instance, like, if I have one at night, it's not going to keep me up till, like, five in the morning. It just doesn't do much. I need to be in desperate, like, it needs to be desperate times for me to do a, like, post- 3 p.m. cup of coffee. All right, so I was just going to ask you, so what do you consider a night? You're saying, see, that post 3 p.m. is still very early. Like when, Maybe it, like post 5. Like if I walk in here with a Starbucks, I, I'm in bad shape. Really? See, I would have to go late. Like I would think it would have to be later. I would think like anything maybe around like 7, 8 o'clock would maybe get you into some trouble. At night? Yeah. Yeah, just go with some juice, man. Come on. Yeah, so like 7, 8 o'clock, that's a little late, but I, 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 sometimes I do it. Like have a cup after dinner. 
Well, that's different. If you're out to dinner, cappuccino, that's a staple. Even have, at home. have to. Even at home. I'll have a cup sometimes. Do you have the, Iri- do you have the Irish coffee? No. Don't have the Irish coffee. I keep it pretty simple. I don't mess around with all the flavors and the this, that, you know. It's kind of just routine more than anything else. And if I do it, you know, like 7, 8 o'clock at night, I, I don't go to bed until generally like after midnight. So by that time, it's worn off and I'm ready to go to sleep. It's not like I'm drinking super strong stuff anyhow. You know, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever the heck it is. That doesn't do much. Dunkin' is not strong. No. It's like water, unfortunately. I mean, we we could have a whole discussion about this, how it's gone south, and it's just... Do I say it's an inferior product? Am I allowed to say that? I understand. They're not a sponsor, are they? No, not that I know of. So you can say it. Let's let's say they've gone south. How's that? Yeah, the the, the donuts have gone south, too. It ain't, to it, it ain't all it used to be. Right? Yeah. Once proud franchise has kind of made a couple of wrong turns along the way. Like the Yankees. Like the Yankees. They're the Yankees. There you go. Like the Yankees. Except, you know what? There's still a couple of things with the Yankees that you can hold your hat on as a fan and be proud of. Like the New Jerseys. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But Aaron Judge, for example, Garrett Cole, you know, like those things. You have those. You walk into a Dunkin' Donuts, where's Aaron Judge? Where's Garrett Cole? Where's the Juan Soto that brings Where's the... Juan Soto? Right. The new menu on the... The new item on the menu, which would be a la Juan Soto. Where is that? Where is it? You don't have it. The holiday stuff is not uh, moving the needle for you? That's seasonal. You know, that comes and goes. It's not consistent. What that, about, you know what that is? That's a tease. What about when they had those breakfast tacos? Dude. I'm not going to Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. Like, to have like a... I don't do that... See here, you want you want the you want the truth. See now you got me started. Here's the nuts and the bolts of it, and nobody has my opinion, but I'm going to give it anyways because that's what we're here for. You know, we, we're we're an opinion based outlet. I think that they lost their way as a as a corporation when they started to incorporate too many darn things onto the menu. They got away from their essence, from their core. You know. When they used to be just the coffee, the donuts, the muffins, like that's it. You know, that's what made them great. That's where you built your name. Then when they started to incorporate sandwiches and pizzas and burritos and taco, and I was like, think about all the other options you have to get food in this world. Like, why are you going to Dunkin' Donuts for those things? And so my point is, is that they spend so much time and energy wasting away on incorporating that stuff is that the rest of their hardcore merchandise their hardcore stuff, the staples, I felt they neglected, and those went south. Those hash browns are pretty good, though. Yes, they are. But there's a lot of places I can get hash browns. McDonald's does a great hash brown. That'd be a great debate. What's better, the McDonald's or the Dunkin' Donuts hash brown? You guys just reminded me of something. You want a McDonald's story? Oh, yes. Nice. Because this just happened. This is like within the last week, last weekend. Not very often. But like once in a blue moon, if I'm in, because it's not exactly the healthiest stuff in the world for you, but whatever. Once in a blue moon, if I'm up and I'm out on the weekend or whatever, I'll do the McDonald's breakfast. Right? Great stuff. Guilty pleasure. The coffee's very good. Harv, you ever have that coffee? You ever have the McDonald's coffee? I've had it once in a blue moon. I have more of their orange juice instead. Coffee's good. You want to talk about that? It depends on the time of day. Really? Yeah, if you go and like. Speaking of a nighttime cup of coffee. No, that's not where I'm going for nighttime. No, 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 no. Out all day. You need to go bright early in the morning. A.M. A.M. exclusive. So apparently, I mean, McDonald's has the whole 
time limit thing when it comes to breakfast, right? You can't get breakfast after a certain time. I thought that had gone by the wayside because there was a while there where, like, they were serving breakfast, like, I think, 24 hours a day. But then COVID came, and I guess they pulled back on the menu a little bit. But I thought I read someplace else that now it was back. I roll into the drive-thru at 11.03 a.m. 11.03. Hello, can I take your order? I start spitting out the breakfast order. Dude comes back. Sorry, we're not serving breakfast anymore. I looked at the clock. I said 11.03. I said, I'm, I'm late by three minutes. You can't serve me breakfast. No, I'm so sorry. I said, wait a sec. You mean to tell me that all the sandwiches and all the breakfast fare that you had made up already as of four minutes ago that were still there and probably still on there, what happens when the clock strikes 11? What do they have, like somebody with a bugle go to the front of the store and like blow it? And sound the alarm, and then all the breakfast merch they just, like, throw into the garbage? You mean to tell me three minutes ago, like, that you didn't have, like, an Egg McMuffin sitting there that you could just pack in a bag and give to me? Some, uh, some hash browns gone? 11.03? So word to the wise, if you're thinking about swinging by there for breakfast, you better wake up a little bit earlier. Because apparently 11.03, day late, dollar short. We suck. You big daddied it. I did, and that's exactly what I thought of. It's exactly what I thought of. But that was, Big Daddy was 1999. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a quarter century later. We should have evolved. We did evolve. Like I said, we had 24 hours at one point. Yeah, you kind of broke the Rubicon with uh, the 24-hour breakfast. But, dude, three minutes, really? Like, come on, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, three minutes. The stuff that they have on the rack, like if I would have ordered whatever, they would have just went in the back, taken it, put it in a bag, and given it to me. You mean to tell me they're gone? They're all out? They're finished? Three minutes? Put all that stuff in the lock and key. Dude, I would have paid extra. I would, I, I would, you know, but again, you're trying to talk to these people in the stupid drive through thing, which is, it's not face-to-face communication. Hey, I don't well, know. Where's my Egg McMuffin? Breakfast is over at 10.30. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought it was 11. I thought that too. Well, apparently it's 11 now, so if you're at 11.03, you're screwed. Can't win, man. Can't win. All right, we got to regroup after that. That set me off down a road I didn't expect to travel down. 800-919-3776. Grasso Show, 98.70 SPM. We had booked for halftime the Frisbee catching dogs. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, our brand new segment, we are going to unveil that sucker coming up in about 12 minutes. Top of the hour. It's going to be an 8 p.m. staple whenever we have the full show. Before we get back to the phones real quick, I mentioned that Mel Kuyper Jr., who is the dean of the draft gurus, the draft experts, he unveiled his first mock yesterday over on the old ESPN.com and the worldwide internet. So... Giants pick 6th, Jets pick 10th. He has quarterbacks going 1-2-3 right off the board. The only maybe surprise a little bit, I think everybody expects Caleb Williams to be number 1 to go to the Bears. And remember, the Bears now are going to have themselves a brand new offensive coordinator. And as soon as that news got out that Luke Getze would not be returning, you knew that that kind of tipped their hands as to what they were going to do with the quarterback because it would have been malpractice to have Justin Fields learn another offensive system. It would have been, what, his third in four years? You're not going to put all that on a quarterback's plate. So you bring in a new coordinator, new system, you start fresh with the quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury is even interviewed for the uh, offensive coordinator position there because of the ties to USC that he has 
with Caleb Williams. And Luke Getze, by the way, remember, and I said this then, don't be surprised if maybe Luke Getze's next stop is in Florham Park, New Jersey, given that he used to work with a certain quarterback in Green Bay once upon a time. So he's got Caleb Williams, number one, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner, number two, going to Washington, New England taking a quarterback at three, and Drake May. Gerard Mayo at his press conference last week, the new Patriot head coach, he kind of tipped his hand a little bit, thinking that maybe they were going to indeed take the quarterback. We shall see. But that's good news because if you're the Jets at 10, I think that offensive linemen tackle preferably, wide receiver are probably your number two target or your top two needs, at least with that number 10 overall pick. So as you're watching the players come off the board, you want as many non-offensive linemen to be drafted. So if you get quarterbacks going off the board one, two, three, that's good. Then he's got Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver, going to Arizona at number four. The Chargers at five, taking Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. He's listed as a tight end, but you could split him out wide. He's a glorified wide receiver. Very, very good weapon. Real good player, too. I think he's going to have a really, really good career. Kind of that new prototypical tight end that we see in the NFL. So then you have the Giants at six. Now, the Giants can also use some shoring up on the offensive line. I think we know that. So according to this mock, you have no offensive linemen off the board yet. You only have the one wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. Mel, at six, says the Giants go wide receiver and grab Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU, who was on the receiving end of so many of Jaden Daniels' passes during his Heisman Trophy winning season. Now, it's interesting he goes Malik Neighbors over Roma Dunze, who is the kid from Washington. Those are probably the number two and three wide receivers some teams are going to have a Dunze hire. Some teams are going to have neighbors hire. He has neighbors there going number six to the Giants. Look, if you're t- and I pref I personally still have not dug in and ranked these guys as to my area of preference. But if you're telling me the Giants are taking a wide receiver at number six, I can't argue with that. They need weapons. They need help. They need game breakers on offense, especially. At wide receiver because they've been piecing it together the last couple of years and yes it's worked you know at least it did last year when they went to the playoffs but this year you saw that glaring need you need some explosive plays down the field and neighbors is somebody that's going to be able to provide that for you then at number seven he's got the first offensive tackle coming off the board Joe Alt the kid from Notre Dame John Alt's kid the old Kansas City chief left tackle at eight he's got the Falcons taking Dallas Turner Edge from Alabama, defensive player. Then he's got another wide receiver, the Roma Dunze, from Washington going to the Bears at number 9. Remember, they got the two first-round picks there because they have Carolina's pick. So at number 10 with the Jets, you have every offensive tackle still on the board except for Joe Alt, and he's got the Penn State tackle, Olu Fashanu, going to the Jets at 10. I think if the board fell that way for the Jets, and you're a Jet fan, you'd be thrilled because this the upside of this kid is great. He's only 21 years of age, 6'6", 320. He's a monster. Maybe a little deficient and needs some work shoring up his run blocking. But the guy is a brick wall at left tackle. You put him there hopefully for the next 10 years. And as I said, if the board falls that way for the Jets, if you're Joe Douglas, you don't think you run up to the stage to turn in the card. So we'll see. Again, that's mock draft one of, I'm sure, many 
between now and late April when we have the NFL draft. 800-919-3776. Let us say hi to Dave in the car, who is up next here on 98.7. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. So I'm looking at the Jets and the Giants. I wanted to bounce some things off of you. Obviously, they want to get great players from the draft or the best players available. But I'm going to tell you two teams that they should look out for. The first team they should be keen in on are the Chargers. Here's why. They got Jim Harbaugh. Guy's a winner. Yeah, exactly. But when Jimmy Johnson came to Dallas and when Pete Carroll came to Seattle, both of them were fresh out of college. They know where all the talent is, all the diamonds in the rough. And unfortunately, the Chargers are, have the second-worst cap situation going into the NFL season. So there's going to be a purge of players there. They're going to have to have a bit of a fire sale. The Jets and the Giants should be looking at players in that organization. And the next organization they need to look at is the team with the worst cap situation, and that would be the Saints. They need to look at these teams. I'm pretty sure as I'm talking to you right now, that they're already coaching staff, so we're going through the film, general managers taking a look at things, saying, okay, what goodies can I get from these organizations? But I think the Chargers, because they're in such a desperate situation to do a rebuild and build around one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL – you may want to take a look at them. Let me know your thoughts. Well, Dave, Thanks. I don't I, I don't disagree, and it's not just those two teams. I'm, look, they're going to do their due diligence. And look, these teams, Jets, Giants, anybody, they've had their board stacked now for a while. Like, they already know the personnel departments. They know who's not just available this offseason. They know who's going to be available next offseason, like years down the road. That that That's what they do 12 months out of the year. You know, they're always forward-thinking. The thing about Harbaugh Regardless of what, and I haven't dived into what the Chargers cap situation is here, but now you bring in a new coach, he's going to want his guys, right? He don't care who was there and who might have been good for a previous coach or who might have fit a previous system. He's going to want guys who are going to fit what he wants to do. Let's say hi to Larry in New Jersey up next here on 98.7. Larry, how are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. How you doing, Dan? Good, Larry. What's going on? Question for you, question for you. Justin Fields, mm-hmm. quarterback for Chicago Bears, in your opinion, mm-hmm. you think he's as good, if not better, than Daniel Jones? He's got the ability to be better than Daniel Jones. How's that? I like that. I like that. I just you don't think, think I just don't think I don't think that Justin here's the problem. I don't think Justin, A, he hasn't had the talent around him, and B, I don't think he's been coached very well since coming to the NFL. I, I agree with you there. Um, I think the Giants are going to take a quarterback somewhere in the draft. They should. You think he could, you think he could be had for a third-round draft choice? No. If the Giants were to offer Chicago a third-round draft choice, no. Guy, let him in? No. no? I th- you know why, Larry? I'll tell you why. And I thank you for the phone call. Because I think that, given his age... Now, remember, he came into the NFL, Justin Fields, same class as Zach Wilson. Think of where Zach Wilson's stock is right now and where Justin Fields' stock is. I don't think a three will get it done for Justin Fields. Chicago's going to be able to get more for him than that. Because I still think that he's shown enough flashes and that there's going to be a coach out there who believes in his system and his ability to teach the quarterback position and thinks that he's a perfect fit for their offense, that they're going to offer more because they think it's a plug-and-play type of situation. Zach Wilson, meantime, what's the best the Jets are going to get for him? Maybe a third-day pick? Not third round, third day. 
maybe a six if you're lucky. And Fields is going to be someplace else, like we like we just got done saying. They're going to draft somebody. And if you're the Giants, yeah, absolutely, I'm dr- I'm drafting a quarterback this year, but it's not going to be with that first round pick. It's going to have to be probably somewhere in the middle rounds. It doesn't hurt to bring a quarterback into your program. Let him sit. Let him watch. Daniel Jones is going to be on this team next year. Daniel Jones will be here. Tommy DeVito's probably going to have to compete to keep his roster spot. But you also then need somebody in the event that Daniel Jones is still not fully recovered from his injury and his rehab to be able to play week one. And only the Giants are going to know the answer to that one as we move forward. So, much like all the talk about the Jets, why didn't you have a better plan at the backup quarterback position? Giants are going to maybe be faced with the same thing. So if Daniel Jones is not going to be ready or they don't think he's going to be ready, are you really prepared to turn over the starting quarterback job to a rookie to begin the season, or do you want the veteran there? Good questions. We come back. I'm excited about this. We are going to dust off our brand new 8 o'clock segment. I cannot wait. Hope you have some fun with it. 